Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Thank you again for joining me here at the back of the range. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. This is, man, this is episode 17. So I mentioned in previous episodes that I'm going to do some giveaways and, well, we're going to do one now. So just in case you missed it, Titleist is going to start selling their new AVX golf ball nationwide and I would imagine worldwide. And uh, I got a sleeve and I'm going to give it to you. So I'm going to give a sleeve of AVXs and a Back of the Range Golf Podcast towel to, um, well, all you need to do is message me in some way, Instagram, email, Twitter, Facebook. Let me know what you think of the podcast. I'll select someone at random and I'll send you a free sleeve of Titleist AVXs and a towel. I know it's not much, but hey, it's something. Congrats to the U.S. team that absolutely crushed the GB&I team in the Concession Cup in Bradenton, Florida this past weekend. The Concession Cup is a Ryder Cup-style competition between the best mid-ams and senior amateurs in the world. Will we have one of the victorious USA team members on the podcast soon? Yeah, you never know. It just might happen. Before we get to this week's guest, just another reminder that if you're sharing the podcast, leaving reviews, you're my favorite person in the world. If you're not, let's get on it. Through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to the podcast, share it, leave a review. It is extremely, extremely helpful. Remember, we are on Instagram. Check us out, the Back of the Range podcast. The website, thebackoftherange.com. That's where you can find all the episodes, all the information about the podcast. And remember, email me, send me a message for the giveaway. My email address is ben at thebackoftherange.com. For this week's episode, we are going across the pond for the first time. Our guest this week is Douglas Waugh. He is from Edinburgh, Scotland. I was fortunate to play in the Eden Tournament in St. Andrews a couple times. Last time I was there was 2016. I was super lucky to advance to match play, made it to the round of 16, and that's where Doug comes in. So we had a good match. Um... He beat me on the 18th hole, but still a pretty solid showing in the tournament. I was okay with it, and off to the bar I went. Well, about four or five hours later, I'm in the Jigger Inn, which is the bar right next to the 17th hole on the road hole of the old course. And who do I bump into? Douglas Waugh. Well, after a few beers and maybe some whiskeys and a bunch of laughs later, well, we've kept in touch. Thought it'd be fun to kind of catch up with him on the podcast. Doug talks about uh, his club, Baberton, in Edinburgh. He's won several club championships there. We talked about a lot of things, you know, golf in the U.K., the Open Championships that he's been to, courses that he's played, and, you know, of course, the Ryder Cup. So, Doug, I appreciate you taking the time to catch up with us here at the back of the range. Hi there, how you doing? It's great to be great to actually be on the podcast. Brilliant. Absolutely. Well, this has been uh gosh, last time we saw each other was uh was actually on the golf course in Scotland, in St. Andrews. Play actually That's the right. first place we met. So this was this was at the Eden tournament. I have a pretty vague recollection. I know we ended up in, in the, the jigger in drinking after after our match. Uh That's right kind of describe the tournament that we were playing in and kind of the circumstances and how we met yeah i mean i think it was as far as i remember it was was it a quarter final we actually met in we played against each other in the round of 16 you made it to the quarterfinals i was the one that got bounced out right so it was around the 16 yeah i mean even tournament i mean it's quite a 
it's quite a prestigious tournament now, set in obviously St Andrews, the home of golf, apparently. Um, I mean, what can I say? I mean, it's one of the, it's probably the the best run tournament that I've actually played in, considering I play in quite a few tournaments through the year. Um, the value for money you get, you know, the people that come from from all over the world to play in it, yourself from Florida. I know there's a lot of guys that come over from South Africa, various areas of Scotland. Um, it's, I mean, it's just fantastic value for money. The fact that you can play, is it six rounds of golf that you're guaranteed and you get a week in St Andrews? So, I mean, there's, I mean, there's not much more I can say about that, to be honest. It's, yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's pretty hard to beat. Yeah, it's six rounds. You're playing the, uh, the new, the Eden. Really, it's all about the people, too, for me. You're just meeting so many great people from all over the world that, that just truly love the game. Yeah, I, I remember that I had to win a match and kind of come behind, come from behind to win this match just to play you. And if yeah. I remember right, you were actually following that match. So you you kind of saw firsthand the the kind of the ridiculousness of how I got through that match. So <laughs> I mean I think yeah, I mean I think I think we've actually both played pretty well in the in the last sixteen as well. I think it was quite a good match. As far as I remember, it finished two and one, so it was quite nip and tuck. Yeah, it was a pretty good one. Yeah, I know that. Uh, I know that we both made a, a really good, uh, good impression on uh, on the Jigger Inn and the Dunvegan and all the other bars in St Andrews. What is yeah. your, what is your favorite aspect of that weekend? Is it uh, is it actually the golf courses and and the competition, or is it just the actual being in? Um, you know, being in the town and being in St Andrews. I don't know. It's kind of it's, it's kind of a, a combination of a few things. I mean, the fact that you're playing all these great golf courses up there, um, the fact that you're in St Andrews. I mean, I only live about forty forty five minutes drive down the road, so to have it basically on your doorstep. I mean, I go up a few times a year, but there's always a buzz when you're in St Andrews. I think it's like I mean, you can add it all up. It's, it's the golf. It's the meeting of new people. It's the town itself. Obviously, the drinking's got a lot to do with it. I mean, yes, it I mean I, yeah, I know, yeah. I mean, I've been going for 10 years, and, and the group of people that I've been going with have probably go, been going for not far short of 30 years and haven't, you know, they've missed the odd year here and there. But it's just everything. It's everything that goes better. Obviously, meeting yourself, meeting people from Ireland, meeting people from you know, different walks of life, different aspects of life, the golf courses. Um, I mean, you cannot beat the level of golf and the level of golf course that you've got up there. They're fantastic golf courses. All of them are fantastic golf courses. No, I, I totally agree. I, I fell in love with the town, uh, not just the golf. For me, it's a lot more than just the golf, but uh, for you, just living 45 minutes away from St. Andrews. Now, uh, before we get into all the other tournaments that you're playing and kind of your, um, basically just your your day-to-day or your your golf achievements in your career you're you live in where do you tell everyone tell listeners where you live and kind of you know do you belong to a club um you know tell tell us a little bit about that yeah well i stay in Baberton mains uh which is in edinburgh it's just on the outskirts it's about six miles from the center of the town um i remember a club called uh, Baberton. um it's a parkland golf course it's relatively it's not hilly as such, um, but it's, there's a few kind of undulations throughout the golf course. Um, I'm also a member of a, a smaller club, which is more in the centre of the town, or the centre of Edinburgh, called the Harrison Golf Club. It's actually like, it's what we call a non-course running golf club. So the golf club, 
that it's kind of attached to is a public golf course. Um, I believe there's a lot of them, you get a lot of public golf courses in America, whereas this one, it's, kind of, it's a very kind of hilly golf course, very short. Um, so you pay, to, you pay to be a member of the golf club, but then you have to pay a, a supplement fee to actually be a member of the public golf course, whereas Baberton, whereas my main club, that's a private golf club. So you have to pay quite a, you know, quite a high fee to be a member of that as well. So when you say a high fee, uh, you know, what's really good about us being able to speak and being on the podcast is that uh, other than the great stories you're going to be able to share, but also showing the differences, you know, most of the listeners of the podcast are here in the United States. And to kind of understand the differences between when you say it costs a lot, give me an idea, if you don't mind, not just your club, but in general, what would the cost be for either annual or monthly? You know, what does it cost to belong to a private club uh, in in Edinburgh? Um, to be, I mean, you, nowadays there's no joining fee. I mean, I remember, I've been a member of Abbott now for 20 odd years now. I remember there was, uh, you had to pay a joining fee. The joining fee was, at the time, was about, I think it was about 12, 1300 pounds. Okay. And you had to, and then on top of that, you were looking at maybe, at the time, it was probably five or six hundred pounds to be, uh, you know, to pay yearly. Um, there's now, basically nowadays, there's there's no, especially kind of in Scotland or in the Lothians area where it's like Mid Lothian, West Lothian, East Lothian, there isn't really any loyalty nowadays because what they've done is they've done away with this joining fee, which kind of, because of the joining fee, it kind of retained a lot of the members. Sure. But nowadays, obviously, things, you know, there's better golf courses out there. They've done away with the joining fee. So I'll give you an example. It's, it's about, you can join my club now, you can pay monthly, but you'll be paying something like 850 to £900 a year to be a member of. Now, there's a, there's a couple of clubs in Edinburgh that are a bit more prestigious. Uh, you're probably looking at, you know, 12, 13, £1,400 a year to be a member. Whereas there's other clubs where you won't pay that, you know, you may be looking at five or six hundred pounds, but those clubs kind of struggle now. There's a couple of golf clubs that have kind of they've closed down because obviously the 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 level of golf course wasn't that great. Sure. So people have people have left and joined elsewhere. So those clubs kind of kind of financially, you know, they've kind of had to close the doors basically. I mean, I'll give you an example as well. I mean, if if you were to go to St Andrews, for example. You could join one of the clubs up there for around about £400. You would then have to wait for your Lynx card, which again is about £400 approximately. So there's £800 and you get seven golf courses, whereas I'm looking at £800 to £900 for just to be a member of my golf course. Right. Yeah, it, it is fascinating with the, with the difference between the charges over there and charges here. I mean, there are some country club communities where you're paying thirty to $40,000 just to join. And then, yeah, and then just uh, almost a thousand dollars a month sometimes. So it is definitely different. Um, is we've kind of seen over here in the states sometimes where just hanging out at the club, having dinner, having drinks, having it become more of a social um, hub for people to to socialize. That's kind of going away a little bit in certain uh, aspects. People come, they play their golf, and they leave. Do you, spend, yeah, it's, it's, do you spend a lot of time at your club? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's, a, lot, there's a kind of culture nowadays where um, you kind of call them the car park golfer. As you said, they turn up, they, they play golf, and they go away. Right. 
but it, it really depends on where you're situated. I mean, there's a lot of um, big housing estates where, I mean, where I'm situated at Barberton, there's a housing estate called Barberton and you've got Curry and Balerno around about that. So the golf club's really, you know, you could walk to Barberton within kind of 15, 20 minutes. So we have got quite a good kind of social side. There's a lot of guys that will stay back, a lot of guys that will indulge in quite a few drinks, have a bit of a carry-on. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of clubs that, you know, they don't have that. There's, you know, the clubs are dead on a Friday or a Saturday night. Um, I mean, there's other clubs down in, you know, what we class as the sticks, which is a way out down towards Gullin. I mean, you touched on uh, country clubs where you're paying thirty or forty thousand dollars. We've got a couple of places down uh, towards East Lothian. We've got the Renaissance Club down there as well. Again, that's really just a kind of prestigious thing. Archer Field, which again you're looking at. You know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand pound to be members, just members, and then you're paying on top of that. Sure. And they don't really. It's, I mean, I played them quite a few times, and they don't. The social side of things, there's not. I mean, there's another local club down the road from me called Kings. Now they have a really good bunch of guys. Uh, they all like a drink. They all like a good carry on. They all like to play golf. Uh, but they are. I mean, again, they could be. You know, in the winter time over here, places are dead. Okay. Unless you have something on, unless you have, you know, the club puts something on. Uh, a lot of places are dead because of the the weather over here isn't exactly brilliant in the winter, shall we say? Yeah, it's not conducive to getting out there and and, uh, and playing. So mm. yeah, I could totally see that. But, but I certainly, yeah, I, I spend a lot of time in the golf club, especially in the summertime. As I said, socially, uh, it's 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 quite good uh, socially for. You know, a few drinks here and there, definitely. So we have shared some stories um, about your experiences at your club, and you just have alluded to the fact that a couple adult beverages will, uh, um, adult beverages are definitely encouraged at, at your club. Can you, yeah, can, yeah. Can, yeah, can you can you think of a story off the top of your head about one night, maybe when things got a little bit out of hand? Um, I, do you know what? I could think of a few that maybe not <laughs> quite appropriate for uh, the podcast. Um, I, I mean, there's a few of us that kind of uh, every year we've got. I don't. I don't know how it kind of works in the states. But you have a lounge, obviously, and you have like a golfer's bar. We call it the dirty bar. Yeah, because it used to. It used to be called the dirty bar in our old golf club because we actually built a brand new golf club uh, about five or six years ago. So. Um, it's called the Golfers Bar now, but we call it the Dirty Bar still. And there's always a few of us that meet up every Christmas. We've done it for maybe 15 years, maybe 20 of us that meet up Christmas time. And, um, you know, we all have a, 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 again, the Scottish thing, we all have a drink and a carry on. And uh, one of my mates who isn't very good with timekeeping, he's slightly better now he's married with a kid, his timekeeping was pretty terrible and one of my other mates is also very good at coming out with um, shall we say silly bets etc so my mate Andrew was supposed to turn up between three we said I'll be there between three and half past three and my other mate David turned and said if Andy's here between three and half past three uh, I will streak naked uh, down the first hole and I think if I remember right I think Andrew turned up about ten past three so Davey decided to march down to the locker room, 
take everything off to his socks, stick on his golf shoes, <laughs> and a Santa hat. And where was the sa- where was the Santa hat positioned? <laughs> uh, the Santa hat was positioned on his head. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, exactly. So, I think his last words last words before leaving to do his run down. It's only about a three hundred yard par four. Uh-huh. It's kind of, it's kind of downhill, and you've got to come back uphill. He said, "Don't tell anyone." <laughs> so, I, so I was apart from the twenty people that were in Dirty Bar. I said, eh, "That's fine. Won't, won't bother telling anybody." But by the time I'd got upstairs. Kind of runs through the kind of scenario. It's Christmas time, so there was about another fifteen to twenty people in the lounge having Christmas. It wasn't. It was like the, the last Sunday before Christmas. Oh no! So there were people in having Christmas meals, oh. and before we could get out on the balcony to check what was happening, the twenty people that were in having their meal, the fifteen people in having their meal, were now standing at the windows watching my mate run naked down this first hole. <laughs> and thankfully, thankfully, they found it funny. Um, but I mean, I, I've still got video evidence, so I'll probably show you it in August in St Andrews because it's still, I still laugh at it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's probably appropriate enough. I mean, there's some stuff that's happened at Barberton that... Um, well, you guys always have that, that one idiot that always streaks naked at the Open Championship, so it's not like this is any stranger for you guys. This is this is nothing out of the norm for you guys over in the UK, so I don't know why anyone would be bothered by this. No, no, no nobody was bothered about it. I mean, we, Babbitt have a history of having more than one idiot, though. Um, <laughs> thankfully, one of them's... I wouldn't say thankfully because he's a nice guy, but he's left to join another golf club, but he was... Most of the stories would have been about him, but... Though, <laughs> Do you know, these those stories are like a different level. They're just, um, I'll maybe tell you a couple in August. <laughs> nice, nice. No, I look forward to that. Um, so so besides uh, the, the occasional nudist hijinks at, at your club, um, you mentioned that you play other tournaments. Uh, is, is there a big amateur golf scene in Edinburgh for a lot of, is it highly competitive? Other than Eden, I don't know what else... Um, there is to play in. Do you have kind of a full amateur schedule that you can basically set for yourself? Yeah, I mean, there's there's loads of tournaments in Edinburgh. It's called it's generally called the Lothians, but you have Mid Lothian, which is generally Edinburgh City. You would have the East Lothian and West Lothian. Um, East Lothian, it's like Gullen, Muirfield, Archerfield, Renaissance. West Lothian's out towards um, more towards Glasgow. But it's quite a big catchment area, and there's a every year there's a there's an order of merit circuit. Uh, there's other various tournaments that we play in. Um, there's also the Scottish scene as well, the SGU Scottish Golf Union. There's a big kind of we play a lot of golf tournaments all over Scotland. Not that I'm, I mean, I don't generally play in that because I don't. I mean, if I say I, you know, I couldn't compete in it, I probably could compete in it, but it's not. It's kind of a different level. These guys are looking at breaking into the Scottish team. Um, you know, maybe breaking into the, you know, some of them are actually looking at Walker Cup as well. So, oh wow! Okay, I mean, so I'm not, yeah. I'm not that kind of, you know, I'm happy playing my kind of Lothian's Order of Merit. Um, it's pretty competitive. Some pretty good golfers. You also have your kind of your your county team and everything as well. So, it's the same with everywhere. I mean, I, I'm supposed to be going down to to London in July because my mates are a, a member of a club called Highgate. And they have, I think it's Middlesex, so their county 
they have an order of merit as well. So there's all over Britain, all over Scotland, there's various order of merit kind of schedules that you play in as well. That's great. Yeah, we, we have different, obviously it sounds very similar to our state golf associations, whether it's Florida or Georgia or, uh, you know, Iowa, each state has their own, uh, you know, points and ranking systems and their own events. So it sounds a little bit similar to that. Now, now you've, obviously you have being located in Edinburgh and, and playing all over the UK, you have access to playing some of the finest courses in the world that are on the open championship Rota. Um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you've played the old course. Can you tell us about your first experience playing the old course? I think it was just, how can I put it? You, you just, it's not because of the golf course. Um, I mean, St. Andrews, I mean, for those that maybe played it, it's not the hardest golf course in the world. It's relatively, how can I put it in a, it's relatively mundane. You know, once you get out past the first and the second, because you've that, the first hole with the, the, the clubhouse behind you, then you've got the old course hotel. Once you start getting into the kind of third, fourth, fifth hole, it's very kind of semi, if you like. It's, you know, there's not really any kind of nothing distinguishing really jumps out. Nothing really yeah, nothing really jumps out. Then you kind of get around to seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and when you come back into the home stretch, kind of sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. I mean, the first time I played it, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I played, I probably played it maybe almost eight or nine times, and I always get goosebumps standing on the first tee. Sure, just because of. What it is, just because of who's stood there, you know, it's the home of golf, it's kind of hallowed turf, it's always get goosebumps standing on that first tee. Now, uh, what are some of the other courses you've played on the Open Rota? Um, I played Muirfield a few times, again, a fantastic golf course. Uh, I think I played it, if I remember right, I played it the year they had the Open up here last time, which was 2012, Uh, sorry, was it 2012? Well, I think it was uh, Mickelson in is it thirteen or, or whatever. Sorry, two thousand. Yeah, Mick, when Mickelson won it, okay. um, I, I get a chance to play it with the bank every year because um, I work for a finance company. So we can we can go down there and play it uh, in June. And I have never seen a golf course set up as hard as this. If you are, if you hit five yards off the fairway, you may as well just reload because the rough was so heavy at the time. Lost ball. It was just, I mean, Muirfield's a fantastic track. Carnoustie as well, I played Carnoustie. Carnoustie's probably, in my opinion, the hardest golf course on the open rota. Okay. Uh, very tough, very long, especially when you play it off the back ped. Uh, I played it in a, the, the Scottish Amateur uh, a number of years ago. Uh, thankfully, we got it in quite benign conditions, but when it blows a gale up there, um, I think it would be a pretty, a pretty tough golf course. One of, one of the stories I had from my friends up there, the gentleman who's actually, um, he runs the, the Stephen Gallagher Foundation up here, he played Scottish Amateur there back in the early 90s. And he said the last time when he played the first and second holes, he was hitting driver three wood at the first, couldn't reach a hole. Now, when we played it <laughs> a few years ago, you were hitting driver wedge into it. And he said the second hole off the back pegs, you couldn't reach a fairway. And when we played it, we were hit, probably hitting driver four iron, driver five iron into it. And he said you couldn't reach your fairway because the wind was it was that difficult with the wind. Um, so yeah, I mean Muirfield. I mean, what else have I played? St Andrews, Carnoustie. Um, I know Kings Barnes isn't on this open circuit, but again, that's a fantastic track. 
and yeah, stone yeah, plane. Yeah, yeah. I'm, try, I'm trying to make make a make a trip over to Kings Barnes this August, and um, I got to play the Castle Course last time I was there. I love the Castle Course. The Castle Course is very. Do you know what it reminds me of? And, I, and I've never played it. It's only because I've seen it on television. Is a uh, whistling streets. Yes. Yes, you're you're one hundred percent right. It it definitely does not have a old school feel to it. You could tell it's relatively new, but um, just it was just a lot of fun. It was I wouldn't say it's just like a, a yeah. It's definitely not a historic golf course, but it was every hole just seemed to have some sort of a unique feature to it, and it yeah. was it was fun. And uh, but no, I I completely agree. I've played Whistling Straits. I've been there, so you're a hundred percent correct. There is definitely a a close similarity to the both of those but a lot of people don't i mean it's one of those golf courses where you love or you hate and a lot of people don't like it because it's quite you know the greens are very very up and down it's it's almost how you would maybe class it as a mickey mouse golf course yeah yeah it's just a bit silly yeah Yeah, but no i i I play i play it probably once a year and i always love it it doesn't matter the conditions because it's quite it's testing yes but it's um it's good fun. It's good fun. Yeah. There's some courses you go for the history and for the, the architectural purity of it. And this isn't one of them. You just go and, and just go have fun. Just go. Yeah. Go and enjoy it. Have a golf ball. See what happens. Yeah, pretty much. So I mean, that's what I do anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're not doing that, then you know, I don't know. Okay. So, so one of the best courses that we haven't gotten to yet that you mentioned that you have played is uh, is Royal Birkdale. Now you you've played it. Tell me your uh, you think do you think that's one of the best courses uh, on the Rota? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would just say that it was um, it was probably the best course, probably the best course I've played. I mean, I've played quite a few of them, but just enjoyed it. Just enjoyed the whole experience. It was all, it was all, it was something that I'd I'd won through my local club. Um, there was like a scratch and a handicap prize for to go down there, and it was like it was a couple of days down. In Southport, which is just outside, you get driven down to play Burkdale. So the whole experience. Um, but in terms of the actual golf course, fantastic golf course, absolutely fantastic golf course, and there's a lot of them out there as well. Yeah. So so Royal Burkdale has hosted, um, you know, it, it's hosted a couple Ryder Cups. Now uh, that was back in the '60s. Um, you, wow. You've yeah. You, so you've actually you've been in attendance at a Ryder cup. Actually, you were at the last one that was, you were, you were at the last, yes, I was, you, were yeah. the, you were at the last Ryder cup that was in Europe, uh, at Glen Eagles. Uh, That's that, right. Yeah. So that is definitely one of uh, my goals to, to make it to a Ryder cup. I know that it is coming back to whistling straights and that you just mentioned it. It'll mm-hmm. be at whistling straights in 2020. Uh, what can you tell me about your experience attending the Ryder cup? How did you get, how did that happen? Um, you know, you can just walk me through that, but but tell me a little bit about your experience at the Ryder Cup. Um, the tickets went live. We went, we went to buy them for the, the the Friday. We just went up on a Friday. Um, they, they're, they're quite good down here, but I don't know what it's like in the States, but they're quite good here, whereas, you know, if you go to an open, they do packages, so you get the train journey, you get a ticket and everything included. And it is, it, I just found it completely different from, you know, you go to an open, you watch an open, it's very, I mean, okay, there's people having a drink, etc. And there's, but everything's quite, how can I put it? It's very... Reserved? Yeah, I mean, everybody seems to understand the good shots and the bad shots. So if there's a bad shot, nobody really claps. Whereas the Ryder Cup, for some reason, I, I think it was maybe a mixture of 
uh, Americans over as well, which kind of hyped up the atmosphere. But it was, <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty wild. I must admit, it was quite wild for a golf tournament. So much so that I remember um, we stayed back after the actual golf had finished in one of the tents in the tented village. They had music on, um, and I remember it was quite, it was quite lively. A lot of dancing, a lot of drinking. Uh, I think I've still got pictures from that day as well that I can probably show you in August. <laughs> I noticed that you but, don't want to show any of these by actually sending them to me. I don't think I'm ever going to get ownership of these, but definitely not. No, they're uh, for one camera, uh, for one phone only. But I can certainly show them in August. <laughs> I can certainly show you some of them in August. Nice. But just in just in general, the atmosphere is really it's it's more it's more hyped because it's a kind of it's like a, a USA versus the, the you know Europe. It's, it just seems to be use versus us type of thing, and sure. it just you, you what you when you watch it on the TV in the states, there's a lot more shouting, there's a lot more kind of remember Bubba Watson getting the, the crowd going. Um, it's it's completely different to go and watch in a normal golf tournament. Sure, and it's good fun. It's definitely good fun because you get a lot of good uh, a lot of good banter with the players and with other fans as well. Yeah, that definitely is on my bucket list of things that I need to do. I need to take part in a, in a Ryder Cup. I'm actually almost thinking that it would be more fun to go to Europe as an American for Ryder Cup as opposed to just being surrounded by just an entire sea of craziness. I don't know. For some reason, I think it might be a little bit more entertaining to go go to foreign soil. Yeah, it would maybe be a little, a little bit more laid back. I mean, you, you mentioned there about uh, Burkdale. I mean, it's not... That must have been the last time it was ever held on a Lynx golf course because generally they don't have uh, the Ryder Cup in Europe on Lynx anymore. I mean, Whistling Straits in the States is probably as close as you'll get to the Ryder Cup being held on a Lynx course because over here, I, I don't think, I'll, I'll be brutally honest, I don't think it would be... I mean, you know, you've, you've not won in Europe for how many years now? I can't remember, quite oh. a long time. We're, we're getting there. We're uh, Let's see. The last time we won in Europe was in, I believe, 93 at the Belfry. When, yeah, uh, okay. Actually, when Watson was captain for the first time, and then he was captain for the second time when you were there at uh, Glen Eagles. And then that, of course, was the debacle in the um, in the press conference with Mickelson and that whole thing. Yeah. So. So yeah, but no, see, we, have, we have not won in Europe in a long time. See, I think because I think if you make it more of a contest now, so over here we have it on golf courses that are kind of, um, you know, maybe the states. Yeah, definitely. Can it can a can an American design golf course? So it's it, it becomes a bit more competitive. Whereas if you were to come over here, you know, personally, if you were to come over here, the Americans to come over here and play it on a Lynx golf course. It would just be kind of tit for tat. Europe always been here. You guys been in the States all the time. And then every now and again, you'll get a role reversal like Medina or you guys winning over here. So that's why, you know, it's in Paris this year or the next year. Uh, this year's Paris. Yeah, I think this, it's, this, yeah, this year's, year's Paris. Yeah. Again, it's very kind of, it's, it's, it's a very American looking golf course. The same as what Glen Eagles, the PGA Centenary is a very American looking golf course. It just makes it more competitive. It's good fun. Yeah. It's good fun. No, I, it's definitely I, it's definitely a bucket list. Uh, definitely something that should be on your bucket list. Yep, Ryder Cup is definitely on the bucket list. I need to get to one of those. Now you're actually getting ready to travel tomorrow, I believe, to go to Portugal to play some golf. Where else in Europe have you played? 
Uh, not, I mean, not too many places. I've been been in the south of Spain quite a few times. Um, flying out to Portugal tomorrow for a few days, one weather training if you like. I've been out to Portugal a couple of times. Um, I've been in Bermuda. Uh, played uh, three of the golf courses that were in Bermuda a few years ago. Um, I'm just trying to think when else I've actually played golf. Probably that's probably about it. Because a lot of you know we you know we go away kind of winter time this time of year most years and we kind of you know you can go to Turkey. There's a lot of good golf courses in Turkey this time of year and it's warm. But everybody kind of generally goes to south of Spain, Portugal. So we just kind of keep going there all the time because you're always kind of guaranteed good weather but I was in I was in Bermuda um, a few years ago for my mate's wedding so I played a few golf courses over there which which were different totally different totally different grass the nap on the green and everything it was different and the heat as well the heat was something I struggled to get used to I must admit yeah, well, you mentioned you, you just mentioned something that we hit on uh, as far as the grass. Uh, you know, it's completely different from from this from South Florida, at least to to what I experienced in Scotland. You know, we have pretty much you know Bermuda, uh, thick, rough, soft, spongy uh, fairways, and it's definitely a bit of a culture shock when you go over to to Scotland, where really everything is very firm ground. There's really not thick rough unless you're just in the gorse and just off the off, you know, well off the fairway. Um, what advice do you have for people in America that want to go to Scotland or go to the UK on a golf trip? What advice do you have for them to prepare to get the most fun out of playing off of these different terrains, different grasses, and different courses? Especially links. I mean, links. I mean, it's the tight lies and everything. So you've got to hit the ball pretty clean. It's got to be you know yourself ball first. Uh, but the link links golf is completely different from some of the parkland courses. My, like, there's quite a few courses that will have pretty thick rough. Uh, you know, they're not... How can I put it? You get soft fairways. Maybe I wouldn't say they were spongy, but they're certainly soft. The rough's completely different compared to what you get on a Lynx golf course. It can be very, how would we put it, tuggy. So, you know, the ball will sit down in this rough. If it's wet, it's even worse. Yeah. And you're, you're only talking... You know, a few yards off off the fairway. Uh, but the the thing I noticed that was um, completely different was you know the fringe round the round the greens. Yes. I found over here you can kind of bump the ball into the fringe, run onto the green. But when I found when I was in Bermuda that if you bump try and bump the ball into the fringe, it either stays where it is or it actually bounces back towards you. You can't bump it up; it just kind of digs instead. Yeah, it just kind of digs. Whereas here you can play the kind of bump. Even around the Parkland golf courses around here, you can play uh, little bump and run shots when you're off the green, whereas most of it in the States, I, I found anyway that you have to fly within just about. So let me ask you this question. We have a lot of listeners here in the United States that probably will be making some sort of a trip to Scotland at some point to play golf. What are some of the courses that they should play? Obviously St. Andrews, but what are some of the other courses? What are some of the sites that they should take part in? Yeah, well, I mean, that was that's that's kind of given, you know. You visit Andrews, certainly Carusty. Uh, go up towards Aberdeen. You've got uh, Cas- sorry, up in Aberdeen, you've got the Trump Course, which uh, a lot of people will say is the best course in Scotland. You go up towards um, Inverness, towards kind of Nairn. You've got Castle Stewart up there. Then you can go out towards the Ayrshire Coast. Uh, you know, with Troon, Turnberry, all these golf courses out there. There's a lot of good golf courses roundabout kind of. 
you know, the Central Belt, Glasgow, Glasgow Gales would be um, another golf course to kind of play. Um, you know, your Kings Barnes, even if you go up to kind of, you were talking about playing the Castle course earlier on, even at the, the St Andrews Bay, which is the Torrance and the Devlin, another couple of good golf courses. Uh, I'm just actually trying to think, um, you know, everything, you generally, you go up the coast, Montrose, very good golf course. Uh, that'd be on the way up to, towards Aberdeen. Uh, you can go towards Loch Lomond as well. Sure. Yeah. There are so many places you could come over here, and there's so many good golf courses. You can even go up towards Inverness. I could keep naming them. Places like Bota Garden. Um, you've got Granton on Spey. These are kind of inland golf courses. There is loads, and the, the best way to probably do it is if top 100 golf courses in Scotland, top 100 golf courses in Britain. You'll, and you can actually categorise because you know sometimes we go on golf trips we'll actually look up this kind of stuff things that you know golf courses that you wouldn't actually think existed were any good they turned out to be what they'll call hidden gems the brilliant little golf courses you can actually categorise a lot of areas now on the web to certain areas of Scotland but I mean you could go all night about the golf courses that you can play over here there's there's hundreds there's hundreds now, over here in the States, you know, lots of the best golf courses are private, and to get onto them is just very, very difficult. Um, is that the same over there, or can you just hop in the car and make a three, four-day road trip and hit some of the courses that are on that list? Yes. <clears throat> I wouldn't even say three or four days. You're only talking, I mean, to drive up to Aberdeen, you're looking at two hours. But if you, you know, wanted to drive up, but if you wanted to make a, just a, a three or four day road trip and just travel all over the place, I mean, you could just hit all. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, you'd, all you have to do is pretty simple: phone up, book a time, pay your money, on you go. There's only so many. There's. I'm trying. I'm just trying to kind of rack my brain as to the only golf course I can think that you cannot turn up and play would be Muirfield, or maybe Renaissance. But every other golf course. You know, you're, you, again, you're looking at kind of your more prestigious golf clubs. I mean, even St Andrews, you put your name in at the ballot, you can get yourself a time you play. Yeah. Um, you know, if you go towards Troon, I think Troon's, I think Troon's maybe another one that you just, you can't kind of rock up and play. You've kind of got to, to organise it well in advance, but even then it's pretty difficult. But the majority of golf courses here, phone up a week in advance, a couple of weeks in advance, 30, 30 £40 pound to play. Other golf courses can be up a few hundred pound, but there's no really any no restrictions over here apart from the other golf course. You can just, as you said, you can put yourself put a, a four or five day road trip together, and off you go. That's great. Uh, before I let you go, so let me ask you this question: As far as um, the Ryder Cup coming up in Paris, uh, we have the cup. We're bringing it over. We want to bring it back. Give me an argument as to why Europe is going to take the Ryder Cup from us. If I was a betting man, I would I couldn't argue against you. I would have to say the states are probably going to win over here. <laughs> but does that throw a span in the works a wee bit? I just don't think. I think you guys are really strong, one to ten. Um, I don't think. I mean, give or take a handful of Europeans, I don't think we'll be able to compete. I mean, obviously it's different on the day. People turn up. Sure. You know the golf's completely different, but I, I can't give you an argument. Um, if I was going to if I was going to throw money on this year's Ryder Cup, I would have to back America. Wow, you just said that on a recorded 
on a recorded podcast. I'm gonna. This is gonna be broadcast, and your your friends are gonna hear this. Are you kidding me? I, no, no, I'm not. I just, I just can't see. I mean, I, no, it's okay. If you, I, top, if you look at the top ten in the world, it's all Americans, give or take. Justin Rose. Um, Rory's up there. You maybe, got Rory. John, well, yeah, John Ram, Rory. But I mean, apart from that, I mean, if you look at the last Ryder Cup that we competed in, there was a lot of guys in there that were just—I don't know—they just—I don't know if they should have been there. Yeah. Why is you know, John? Little... Why is John Ram so angry? By the way, can you explain that to me? He's twenty-three. He's ranked number two in the world. Why is he such an angry person? He's well Spanish for a start. If you remember Sergio <laughs> when he was younger. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, if you if you remember Sergio when he was younger, when he was coming through the ranks, he was an off. Uh, he's a very angry uh, young man as well. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just. I mean, just competing. I mean, you know yourself. You you know you, you play the game to win. You don't. My dad always told me never never play the game to to take part. You always play the game to win. And I think that these guys, because they're playing at such a good level, um, you know, there's certain nationalities, certain European nationalities are a bit more feisty than others. But yeah, if you remember, I mean, if you look at Ballesteros, Ballesteros was very feisty. Jimenez was very feisty. Garcia, as I said, when he was younger, he was really feisty. So I'd probably expect to see that in John Ram, yeah. Oh, yeah. Does uh, does Tiger win another major? If he keeps going the way he's going, I'll say yes. Yeah. Now, I did say, you know, with everything that was going on the last couple of years, I didn't think he would win another tournament. I hold my hands up. I like the guy. Uh, I think he's brilliant for golf. He's amazing to watch. You can just, I mean, you're watching the TV, he just brings in the crowds. So from what I've seen lately, um, I think he'll win another tournament. Will he win another major? Yeah, I'd say I'll go with yes. I think he'll win another major. So you've attended the Open Championship several times. Did you ever follow Tiger when you were there? Yeah, I followed him at Muirfield, followed him at Carnoustie, followed him at St Andrews. Always got an opportunity to go watch the guy, definitely. He hits the ball differently. I mean, he, he, the last time at Muirfield, he wasn't playing that well. But, you know, what seen him in St Andrews um, when he was on his A game, it's just hits the ball differently, the ball flies differently. It's just different class to watch. I mean, compared to some professionals out there, I didn't want to name any names. But so, um, he's, so he's even hitting it differently than the other pros. Yeah, I mean, I've I watched some professional golfers and thought, how the hell does he get that round? I mean, how is he making the money that he's making? I could name one person that I watched that was gobsmacked. I just thought, I thought he hit the ball really badly. And just, it was almost like what we would say, a pat. Uh, Boo Weekly, will I say that? Yeah, uh-huh. I just, don't, I just couldn't understand. He hit the ball so bad. But he's a professional golfer, <laughs> making millions. But other guys, you know, your, your, your Rory McIlroy's, Tiger Woods, Mickelson, these guys, they hit the ball properly. It's, 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 it's fantastic to watch. Wow. Uh, what tournaments are you looking You're looking forward to playing the Eden Tournament in August. I will see you in St. Andrews. What other tournaments are you going to be playing in this year? Uh, I think, well, our order of merit, the Lothian's order of merit starts uh, in a few weeks. The kind of season opener will be what we call the team tournament. Um, it's down at a golf course called Royal Musselburgh. Uh, it's a three-man team and it's a combined scratch core that's kind of like the season opener it's not another merit but it's like a club season opener so all the golf clubs from all over the Lothians area will combine on one golf course and we all go out and play golf but our order of merit opener is a course called Long Midri um, that's in May and then 
it just you know you just fall you just go around the circuit you play in all the other minutes that you can you play in all the tournaments so uh, as I said just kind of gearing up for um, the summer going out I said to Portugal tomorrow to get a bit of warm weather a bit, a bit of golfing no doubt there'll be um, more than a few beers probably but yeah just looking forward to the season again just uh, hitting the ball pretty good after such a bad winter um, I can't really think of there might be the, I might actually play in the Scottish Amateur this year I'm not actually sure um, always kind of you know always keep an eye out for certain tournaments that you can play in and you know just see what takes your fancy just see who you're playing really well Doug I really appreciate you hopping on all the way over from Scotland I will definitely see you in August and I think I owe you a couple beers uh, What what's the what's the bar that we have to definitely meet at what bar is a place where you have to actually meet up for a drink someplace in Scotland I'll have to be the- It'll have to be the Jigger. Yeah, we gotta hit the Jigger. Uh, one of the most, probably the f- most famous pub in the world. And then after that, we'll know that we head up to the the Dunvegan, another famous pub. So, plenty of time for pints of a uh, pints of lager or whiskey or Guinness, whatever takes your fancy. Yeah, we're gonna be hitting that pretty hard. I cannot wait to see you up there again. Um, special thanks for 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 hopping on the podcast. Best of luck uh, this summer, and I will see you in August in St Andrews. Yeah, no problem. It's been a pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And yes, definitely see you in August. Uh, look forward to that, even if the golf gets in the way of a good week up there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and there you have it. Another episode here in the books, our first international one. So thank you to Douglas Waugh over in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, audio quality might have been a little bit sketchy, but did the best I could. Hope, uh, hope everyone enjoyed the episode this week. We will be back next week for another great episode. Don't forget, we do have a giveaway going on. So send me an email, hit me up on Instagram, Facebook. All that information is at thebackoftherange.com. Giving away a sleeve of Titleist AVX golf balls and a Back of the Range golf podcast towel. So want to hear from everyone. Hope you have a great week. We will see you next week again at the Back of the Range.